Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for June 3rd, 2021. Glorious, glorious Friday is upon us. And I want to get you onto your Friday as quickly as humanly possible, just like anybody else. So I'm going to make this as brief as possible. Don't forget about the week in effing review at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or at DerekHunter.locals.com. Pick your poison. Also, while there, as you join, which you should... Uh, enter to win the autographed books this week. It's a contest between Wilfred Riley and Dennis Leary. So enter, and best of luck to you. And then we'll get through this damn weekend with a laugh and uh, a release, because God knows we need it. Anyway, that's enough. Like I said, I wanted to get this show started quickly, so we're starting the show now. There's a lot going on in the world, and we're going to cover as much of it as humanly possible as we can. It's one of those rare shows where... Actually, a lot of audio today, a lot of audio, because, well, the administration is so historic and so full of it. (laughs) Frankly, it's full of it is what they are. And so we've got to highlight it. We have to highlight it because these people cannot be allowed to get away with what they're they're trying to get away with. And surprisingly, on the issue of baby formula... The Biden administration is being given a semi-hard time. They they really are. It's it's a semi-hard time. It's a little bit of a difficulty. It's a lot of questioning that they normally wouldn't get. Not, you know, Trump level of questioning, not even Republican level of questioning, not even a, you know, pro-life Democrat level of questioning, but a level of questioning that the this White House certainly is not used to. I think the last time they were seriously questioned about anything was about Afghanistan. It was about 20 minutes worth of questions about Afghanistan as 13 Americans were killed. Joe Biden's incompetence led directly to that. And then they abandoned the country to the Taliban. That was the last time I think they faced any kind of serious questions. It wasn't for very long. And that immediately faded from the news. You notice that it took about... Half a week after the last plane took off full of God knows who. They didn't bother to try and vet anybody. They didn't bother to try and find the people whose lives were actually in danger who had worked with Americans. They simply just grabbed any Afghan who wanted to leave and threw him on a plane and said, we've evacuated 100,000 people. Congratulations. Any of them, you know, the ones who we should have evacuated, did you manage to, to pull anybody you should have. Then they don't answer those questions. There's no follow up before that. The only thing the media came close to asking them about was about a week's worth of we have record illegal aliens crossing the southern border. And that that was a story for about a week, about a year ago. And that was it. It was the only two times in this administration's existence that it has faced any kind of difficult questions. Each time was very short. Each time was contained, and there's been no follow-up. For example, things in Afghanistan have gotten much worse. Women are now forced to cover their heads, are forced to cover their heads, and are being kicked out of schools across the country. It took the Taliban a little while to get there, but we knew they would get there. 
there, I don't think there's been a single question asked about that at the White House press briefing. I could be wrong, but if there was a question asked, it was not a serious question and elicited no uh, newsworthy response from either Ginger Goebbels or the historic press secretary. On the border crossings, it's weird. We're still setting records. Every single month, there's a new record for illegal aliens crossing the border, not just compared to year over year, but because based on the previous month. The numbers are going through the roof, and there are there's an army, a virtual army, sitting across the southern border right now just waiting for their opportunity to crush the border. And there isn't a single reporter out there bothering to go, hey, you know, you got, what are you guys going to do about this? You got any plans to sort of stem the tide? Got any plans to even just acknowledge that this is going on? Do you have any thoughts? There's nothing. It's a non-story. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. But the baby formula issue. This one, at least, is resonating right now. As soon as they can move off of it, I suspect they will. But it is resonating now, and they are asking questions. And even as friendly as the media is, now they're turning semi, like I say, semi-hostile. But they have turned semi-hostile after about two months of softball questioning. Softball questions that led to nothing, that led to lies, that were full of lies, that where the president lied, where the uh, secretary of HHS lied, where Ginger Goebbels lied, where Karine Jean-Pierre lied. Did I mention she's historic? Did you know she's this? Did you know she's black and gay? It's historic. We should probably just focus on that. For a long time, that's what the media did. But now they're asking her serious questions. And it's exposing just how unqualified she is for this job. I get it. If you're press secretary for the president of the United States, any president of the United States, lying is part of the job. They call it shading the truth or spinning. But it is lying by the definition that everybody knows about it. You you have an answer. You have the truth. And you give part of the truth. The part of the like truth is not black and white. Part of the truth can be helpful and part of the truth can be unhelpful. And if you acknowledge only the part of the truth that is unhelpful or that is helpful, then you are lying by omission. Politicians do it all the time. Human beings do it all the time. Everybody's the hero of their own story and they leave out details that leave them looking less than good. It's understandable. It's human nature. But when people's lives are at stake, it takes on a new dimension. And babies' lives and developments are at stake. Maybe not their immediate risk of dying, but baby formula is wildly important. Either that or we've been lied to our whole lives, and I don't believe that to be the case because nutrition and nourishment is important. We have a situation where... If babies do not get very specific things, their brain development suffers. Like, you know, you can go a couple of days or what have you without certain vitamins. You shouldn't, but, you know, it can happen. But weeks and months is a different story, and that's what we're facing. So while their lives may not physically be in danger, you can shove enough calories into a baby through milk to keep it alive 
for a while. The lack of the nutrients that are not found in milk that are added in mega doses to baby formula to help development of the brain and the physical being, those being denied for periods of time will cause serious problems. So there is damage being done. And many of these reporters are young and dumb and left-wing, but they have kids. Their friends have kids. If they don't have kids, because some of them, if you look out in the sea of faces in the White House press briefing room, you think, They're never going to have any kids, not because they're so dedicated to their careers, but because nobody's that. No, never mind. It's just a matter of taste. But they either have kids themselves or they know people who have kids. And you go home and your neighbor's like, dude, uh, we can't find formula. And these people are upper middle class at a minimum. And they're like, well, wait a second. These problems aren't supposed to hit us. Supposed to hit poor people and the people that Democrats claim to care about so desperately and so deeply. What's hitting everybody, including the people that Democrats claim to care about so desperately and so deeply. One might wonder if the care that Democrats profess is actually genuine. Hmm? <laughs> Even the Wall Street Journal, baby formula shortage worsens, hitting low-income families hardest. So, yeah, hey, wait, I thought Democrats cared about those people. But they don't. They really don't. So it's only natural that even though they're on the team, sooner or later you got to question the coach. Hey, we're, we're on a losing streak here. We've, we've lost about 10 games in a row. Maybe it's time you, you shake up the lineup or change the lines or something. Do something different. And this administration is just now getting to the point that they're acknowledging there's a problem. They're acknowledging that there's a problem. Karim Jean-Pierre was asked about this timeline, the idea that Joe Biden yesterday he said he just found out about this baby formula thing in April. It has been an issue since December and nobody bothered to tell the president of the United States. Makes you wonder where the president of the United States is getting his news from. Also, who is, well, Ron Klain, the chief of staff, is the gatekeeper of information to the president of the United States. Ron Klain has determined that either what, he can handle this by making the decisions, he wasn't elected, or he decided to just keep this from the president of the United States for some weird reason, or Joe Biden is lying. I don't know which is true. I know that none are particularly good options. But Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about baby formula by CBS News. Ed O'Keefe, I think, is his name. And I, it's a long clip. So there's two clips, and they're both long. The first one's longer than the second one, but I wanted to keep them the way they are to show you the desperate nature of this administration trying to spin a crisis they wholly created. She has no answer, so she tosses a word salad. It's that kid who throws everything into an essay answer. Doesn't know the answer, but you know. Oh, it's a it's a question about the uh, the Battle of the Bulge. I'll just throw in everything I remember tangentially related to World War II and hope to get partial credit. That's what Karine Jean Pierre is doing when dealing with CBS in this question in this clip. So you, you did February seventeenth was a recall. February eighteenth, FDA issued uh, instructions to states. Let's let's. 
can we continue that through April? When did somebody call the White House to say, this is a problem, you guys may need to get involved? So I could say that, um, again, the recall happened on, the day, day one of the recall, we took action as a whole of government approach, right, with FDA, USDA, as I just laid out. Um, and the president understands, again, he understands how difficult this is. He understands uh, how challenging this is, and we have acknowledged that. Uh, he understands that this is the job of the president to be able to multitask, to get things done, uh, especially when it comes to making sure that your child gets uh, healthy, healthy food. Um, and so that is what is that is what we've been doing. When was someone called here at the White House? to say this could be an issue that requires presidential I, involvement. So I don't have the timeline on that. I, all I can tell you as a whole of government approach, we have been working on this since the recall in February. The independent regulatory agency, the FDA, the one that questions have been referred to in the past is now being embraced as whole of government. Let's point that out here. The other thing, why wasn't Abbott invited today? Oh, well, because Abbott, as we know, they agreed on a path to safely reopen the Sturgis facility uh, after safety concerns that FDA called, called them out on. So, look, we understand Abbott is working hard to get back to safely making infant formula. That process is ongoing and should remain between them, and we are encouraged by the progress they've made. Today is about progress and action we can take to ramp up right now. But I want to, you know, I do, I, I need to say this, and I want to lay this out. Look, this meeting was focused on ramping up production and availability of safe infant formula to American families. That is what matters. We have to remember what FDA did was to make sure that families were getting food that was safe for, for their kids. That is important, and that's what matters. That's why we showed the chart to show where we are today compared to a year ago. So increasing production here at home and importing high-quality formula from aboard. Right there at the end cracks me up. Importing high-quality formula from aboard. She reads her answers, by the way. You watch any clip of her, and she's looking. It's supposed to be abroad, but she read it. She either read it as aboard or she's Ron Burgundy and just somebody misprinted it in her briefing book and it said aboard rather than abroad. But the idea, we've been on this, well, whole, this idea, this is the new Democrat spin, the whole of government approach. This is how they're trying to cover up for the president of the United States being completely ignorant of this situation or indifferent towards it for months and months and months as it blossomed. Abbott, first of all, at, they said, why wasn't Abbott there? They had, they had a conference with baby formula manufacturers, and they excluded the biggest baby food manufacturer in the country from that. Now, why would that be? They're, they weren't invited because Abbott has been public about how the FDA shut them down, inspected their factory, shut them down because of uh, fears of contamination, that there was bacteria that was harming babies. Four babies got sick, two tragically died, and they blamed it, the government blamed it on Abbott's lab and Abbott's formula. They just simply looked at all the common denominator. They both have this formula. That must be it. The government shut them down. The government went through their factory with a fine-tooth comb and found none of that bacteria. 
rather than go, huh, we made a mistake, or we might have made a mistake, you can go ahead and reopen your factory, the government kept them closed, insisting that they were the problem, even though the government had no proof that they were the problem. Abbott has been very vocal about this. That does not endear them to the administration who wants Abbott to eat this one. So they weren't invited because of that. There's no excuse not to, you're addressing a problem and you're not going to invite the biggest company in the country that could address the problem? You're not, if you want to inform the people of the United States on the largest stage possible, you would invite the company that is going to have to be at the forefront of solving the problem that the government created. The problem is Abbott has been critical of this administration. So they don't count. They don't get a say. They weren't invited. It's that simple. Why at O'Keefe at, uh, I mean, CBS was asking a lot of questions. I suppose you can't dwell on everything, but that one seems like a pretty big deal. Why isn't Abbott here? And she had no answer. She Go back and listen to it. She had no answer. She didn't say they're not here because uh, we invited them and they didn't make it or we forgot to ask or, you know what, we only could invite so many people or anything like that. She just didn't answer. She lied about Abbott. Joe Biden lied about Abbott, too. We'll get to that in a second. But these people are lying. And if you're going to lie about a company, you can't invite that company to be there in the room to go, hey, wait a second, that's a lie. Of course, real journalists would then call up the company and ask them, but that's a little bit too much like work. So the exchange between CBS's Ed O'Keefe and uh, Caroline Jean-Pierre. Wait, now, did you know that she's gay and black? Did you know that? Historic. Absolutely historic. Unbelievably historic. I don't know why anybody talks about anything else. Well, it continues because the president of the United States is so detached from reality and so disconnected from what's going on in this country. I don't know what... Think about this. Is there an issue that you can say, well, the president's on the ball on this one? Is there any issue where you're like, you know what? He, he, yeah, he's dropped the ball on baby formula and he isn't paying attention or doesn't give a damn about the border. And so he's not talking. But he really, really, really is focused like a laser on what's going on in Ukraine. And boy, howdy, there's nobody in Washington, D.C. who knows more about that topic. No, there isn't. Just the other day, Joe Biden said, we're not going to send rockets to Ukraine because he didn't want to send anything that could be launched into Russia. Being defensive, sending defensive weaponry is one thing. Sending weaponry that basically serves as long range artillery and could be attacking Russia itself was something else. And the president didn't want to cross that line. Then the White House walked that back and they sent them mid-range rockets that can travel 40 miles rather than the ones that can travel hundreds or thousands of miles. They sent them the ones that could travel 40 miles, which if you're playing the home game is, will be able to strike within Russia really makes you wonder who in the hell is president these days. Who is the story last week about Joe Biden is very upset that so many people in his administration are walking back his comments. They feel that it's undermining his, his uh, position and ability as president of the United States. And then somebody comes back and says, no, 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 that's not what he meant to say. They started walking back his complaints about people walking back things he said. So this administration, there is nothing where you're like, well, Joe Biden 
was too busy, too focused on something or other to really get down in the weeds. He's not. I don't know what he's doing all day, aside from puttering around and trying to read a teleprompter when they have to give a proof-of-life video uh, or a proof-of-life appearance at the White House. They don't get into that in this clip, but the conversation between Ed O'Keefe and Karen Jean-Pierre, who won't stop talking, which is an indication she doesn't know what she's talking about in response to a question that has long since gone the way of the dodo. Here's part two. We are working with many manufacturers. The companies joining today represent a sub a subset of companies working with the administration to increase on supply, whether it be through the DPA, which is something that uh, we know that the president uh, called on, uh, Operation Fly Formula, and FDA's importance guidance. And so the actions are making a difference. And so I just want to make sure that we see what this administration has done, this whole of government approach. You're doing this now on June 1. If he knew about this in April. No, no, no. We have been doing this a whole of government a- approach since since the recall. Yeah, that is what, and it's not. But it's because we had to make sure do. we had to make sure and really look into what would work and what was the best direction to move forward. That's what we have talked about. We have talked to you all every day every day that we can about each step that we're taking, whether it's the Defense Protection Act or whether it's the Operation Fly Formula. So every step of the way, we've explained why we've taken these steps. We've explained what the process has been to take to take on uh, these certain items. Uh, and so this is, this is what we've been doing. And we have been working on this 24-7. And we have seen an increase of production. The president met with manufacturers today. He met with manufacturers two weeks ago. And so we have been working very hard to make sure that American families out there who have children are getting what they need, whether it's a mom, a dad, whether it's a caregiver, are getting safe, safe and healthy products, food to their children. Have we met wit? 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 Really? You're an adult human being? Yeah, she has no answer. We've been on this. It's a whole of government approach. We've been on this from the beginning. A whole of government approach that you know, if it's a whole of government approach and nothing is getting in the way and they're boy, howdy, they're going to really and they care deeply about this. Then why in the hell are there still things you could do? Why did uh, she keep saying Operation Fly Formula? Why did that start last week? If they're doing everything and anything possible to fix this problem, why did getting more formula from Europe just start last week. Anybody want to ask that question? A whole of government approach. Some mid-level bureaucrat has been on this thing since December. And uh, so don't worry, there's no reason to do anything until January. Oh, okay, what? Huh? How do you explain this? Of course, you can't keep trying to get water. Sooner or later, you're going to try and get water from a stone. You're going to stop. You're just going to go, there's just, just no water in this stone. Let's move on and try digging a well. But that's who this person, that's what this administration is. Toss a giant word salad. Hey, why did you fail? We didn't fail. It was a whole government. People have been working on this for the whole time. Nothing got done. Literally nothing got done. And things kept getting worse. And you did nothing new. Until you absolutely had to do something. Until the media could ignore it no longer. 
and started pointing out that store shelves were empty and babies were going without. Then, and only then, did this administration step up and do anything. <laughs> now, the pre- like I say, the president, look, I, I think Karine Jean-Pierre is full of it. I think she's not particularly bright, and she's certainly in well over her head in this job. She has no business being up there on the podium other than the fact that she's historic. Did they mention that she's historic? I'm surprised Corinne Jean-Pierre didn't talk about how she's historic herself. She's got to be embarrassed. You can't not be embarrassed. You can't do what she just did and go, boy, I really... uh, I deserve some high fives all around for that performance over there. No, she was terrible, embarrassing. It won't matter in the grand scheme of things when she leaves the White House. She, too, will likely get a, probably her own show. She'll definitely get a cable news contract. But she'll probably get her own show, the book deal. She's prob- if she's smart just to save time to get those big checks, she'll start writing the book now or at least keeping copious notes for the book now so it's ready to go. you got to strike while the iron is hot as soon as you leave office. So um, if that's what she's going. She'll be fine. She won't suffer any consequences. People won't look at her the same way and go, ah, she's just, she, that's the woman who lied to us for however long she has the job. But in liberal circles, that's a virtue, so it won't really matter. The president of the United States thought when you try and polish the turd that is Joe Biden, you end up in a situation that Karen Jean-Pierre finds herself in. I want to play you what Karen Jean-Pierre was reacting to. Joe Biden had a meeting at the White House with executives from baby food manufacturing companies, except for, of course, as I said, the largest one. Why would you? You know what? I want to meet with uh, with automakers, or no? I want to meet with the. I want to find out why why meat prices are so expensive. So let's invite invite a bunch of vegans to the White House. Maybe you should bring in the meat people if you're going to talk about baby formula. You should probably invite in the the largest manufacturer of it, but not not in the Biden administration. That's not how it works. Uh, we'll start Joe Biden saying that no one could have seen shutting down Abbott. Is causing a problem. That's essentially what he says here. I don't know if his advisor is Stevie Wonder and he's saying Stevie couldn't have seen it, but I think even Stevie could have seen it. If you shut down the largest manufacturer in the country, a company that is responsible for one third of the baby formula in this country, you shut that down. I'm pretty sure even Stevie could have said, I see some some trouble down the line on that. You might want to make some some arrangements, especially when you shut it down with no prospect of reopening it for months and months and months, and you shut it down falsely because you were wrong about where the contamination came from. There was a discovery of quicker wheel in the present on every single thing. What a yak center. Uh, well, I don't think anyone anticipated the impact of the shutdown of one facility uh, in uh, facility. And it was accurately shut down because it was, the formula was questioned in terms of its its purity. And so once we learned of the extent of it and how broad it was, we kicked everything into gear. And I think we're we're on the way to be able to completely solve the problem. (laughs) 
He so doesn't care and doesn't have a clue. When you shut it down, and it was shut down uh, properly. No, it wasn't shut down properly. That's why Abbott wasn't invited. Because when Joe Biden says things like, yeah, they they had impure baby formula, Abbott could say, hey, wait a second, Mr. President, the FDA went through our facility with a fine-tooth comb and found nothing. Nothing. And they still kept us closed. And they don't want that. They've got their own narrative out there. The truth can't come in there. But he's so sleepy and he's so disinterested. I don't think anybody could have foreseen that. I don't think anybody could have foreseen that shutting down the biggest manufacturer might lead to a supply issue. Nobody could see that. Now, then he's asked about that because the CEOs told him we saw it coming. The people who regulate the industry should have seen it coming. You had to be a complete moron not to see it coming. And that's, well, Joe Biden. Pay attention to the end of this clip as well. Here's the deal. I became aware of this problem sometime in after April, in early April, about how intense it was. And so we did everything in our power from that point on, and that's all I can tell you right now. They did everything in their power from early April on. They just started last week flying in formula. They just started last week waving the ridiculous restrictions against importing baby formula from Europe. He did everything from that moment on, early April. The problem started in December. They shut down the factory in February, December, January, February. March comes along, factories shut down. April, early April. That's when the president says he knew about it. They've been doing everything else from that point on. April, it got worse. May, it got worse. We're now in June. It's getting worse. The first time the president spoke of the issue was on May 13th, as a matter of fact. If he found out in early April, he didn't do anything about it and didn't say anything about it for more than a month. Listen, because um, on April th- or on May 13th, Joe Biden said he moved as quickly as he did as as soon as he learned about the problem, which is a lie. But listen to him tell it. Mr. President, uh, Republicans have said that your administration should have anticipated this baby formula shortage before. Are you satisfied with your administration's response so far? And some of the steps that you and your administration are taking now, including uh, loosening these import uh, requirements next week, should you have taken those steps sooner before parents got to these shelves and, and couldn't find formula? If we'd been better mind readers, I guess we could have. But we moved as quickly as the problem became apparent to us. He's talking about, he's being asked about steps he's taking next week. He's ordering things to happen next week. And he'd uh, if I'd have been a better mind reader, because he's a jerk who has a short fuse. If I'd have been a better mind reader, then I could have. But as soon as we found out about it, we did anything about it. We just heard him that he said that he found out about it in early April. 
is talking there on May 13th about things he's ordering to start happening the following week. Does that make sense to you? No, it doesn't. Then on May 18th, Joe Biden finally, that was a question off the cuff. That was the first time that he'd spoken about it. Then finally on May 18th, the Biden administration started taking this seriously. Fully month, month, four months, five months after it started, more than a month and a half, probably two months after Joe Biden found out about it, he promises he's doing everything humanly possible. I know parents all across the country are worried about finding enough infant formula to feed their babies. As a parent and as a grandparent, I know just how stressful that is. I want to provide a few updates on our work to get more formula into the United States and on the store shelves so it's available to you. Today, I'm invoking what they call the Defense Production Act to ensure that manufacturers have the necessary ingredients to make safe, healthy infant formula here at home. The Defense Production Act gives the government the ability to require suppliers to direct needed resources to infant formula manufacturers before any other customer who may have ordered that good. I'm also announcing Operation Fly Formula. That's to be able to speed up the import of infant formula and start getting more formula in stores as soon as possible. I've directed the Department of Defense and the Department of Health and Human Services to send aircraft planes overseas to pick up infant formula that meets U.S. health and safety standards so we can get it on the store shelves faster. And I've directed my team to do everything possible to ensure there's enough safe baby formula and that it's quickly reaching families that need it the most. This is one of my top priorities, and I'll continue to keep you updated on our progress. Yeah, it's one of his top priorities, and he ordered them to do everything. Everything. Then how are there still things for him to order? How is that possible if they're supposed to do everything? And if you've been on this from the beginning, why did you wait three months to do anything if you've been on this from the beginning? This doesn't pass the smell test. And I'm not just talking about Joe Biden's love of smelling women's hair. This smells like bovine excrement because it is. They're lying to you, ladies and gentlemen. They're just lying to you straight up. I'm going to shift gears just for a second. We'll get back to the Biden administration's corruption and incompetence, but there's so much corruption and incompetence going around. I don't know if you've seen this. If you haven't, it's in my Twitter feed. It is uh, the Brooklyn Nets, the basketball team. They put out, I don't know why these sports, the sports teams just say, you know what, let's, let's dump all over our fans, all right? Let's just intrude in our fans' lives. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not saying, and it has to do with Pride Month. I'm not saying uh, be anti-gay, no, but for the love of God, how about you just be good at what you do? How about you just play your game? If the players want to do something, each individually, fine, but they're not. They're now pressured to it. They make gay pride uniforms, whether the players want it or not. It doesn't matter. You don't have a choice. Now, Brooklyn, that's spread out. Spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. Happy Pride Month. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. It's it's stupid. But then they put this this pic image is not a picture. This image that says Happy Pride. And it has every color and some colors are up there like three and four times. I don't know what the hell this thing is. There's a it's not a triangle, it's kind of a pyramid-y thing, and then there's a yellow field with a purple circle in it, and different stripes of different 
sizes over i'm just like looking at this thing and like is this designed to cause a seizure i don't know it, it seems to me like it's designed to cause a seizure it, just, it looks like rupaul vomited out a rainbow like, honestly i don't know what the hell they're trying to do but congratulations to them because they got ratio they got blasted because it's not even like one specific thing it's like a patchwork it's like a a stupid quilt of various pride things without any explanation like i don't know what what does purple white and green mean because that seems to be its own thing and then there's black white black white black white i don't know what that means then green different shade of green white gray black seems like another flag no idea what these means then there's like one with every shade of red imaginable with white in the middle of it what do any of these things i don't really care what any of these things mean but I think there's good money in somebody deciphering what the hell all this crap means. And that's, by the way, I just described one quarter of this Rorschach test of progressive Tourette's uh, that the Brooklyn Nets tweeted out there. Like, what in the hell is wrong with these people? I don't know. I'm just so glad that I've avoided it, that we've avoided it. Speaking of stupid and some things you just can't avoid, I, uh, I, for some time now, this has bothered me. The idea that news has a skin color. It's stupid. It's dumb. But it is what it is. If you go, there's uh, MSNBC Black, MSNBC Hispanic, MSNBC Asian. There's Fox News Latino. There's Fox News Black. They've all got their own. And if you go there, all they really have up there is uh, they have some news stories, but they're the same news stories as everywhere else. They have opinions up there. And even the Fox websites are all about, oh, boy, howdy. Fox News Black. Black people are victims. Society is racist. It's the same crap everywhere you go. And you sit there and you, you almost can't believe it. And you shouldn't. You should check it out because it's terrible and it's destructive. So for all the whining that Fox does and claims that they're doing the Lord's work, and they're, they're a business about profit. That's it. They don't give a damn about anything else. It's not like, well, CNN and MSNBC are evil and pandering and Fox is... No, Fox is just as pandering. Just the other side. It's about ratings and then they're looking at the market and going you know what we got to get in on this race game so you go to the root which is a news website for black people because news has a skin color their model right there at the top the root the blacker the content the sweeter the truth okay yeah um we got a verdict yesterday in the johnny depp amber heard civil trial right now you're sitting there going, what does this have to do with black people? It, it can't even, the only thing whiter than Amber Heard and Johnny Depp was the piles of cocaine they were doing. Well, yeah. But everything is about everything. And clickbait is clickbait is clickbait. And black people are interested in celebrity just like white people are interested in celebrity. But you have to keep on brand. So The Root did what? They have a piece of their Amber Heard verdict sends a message to black women everywhere. <laughs> what? Huh? Is that a message? To, yeah, you know, don't don't become a Hollywood drug addict. Is that the message? That should be the message. Is it geared directly toward black women? 
It's written by somebody called Candace McDuffie. If you've never heard of Candace McDuffie, the line forms way in back. Nobody knows who the hell she is. The subheadline: if the mistreatment of a wealthy, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white actress is ridiculed by the world, what does that mean for black women? God. I really just despise just about everybody on the left. Honest to God. On Wednesday, a jury in Virginia decided that actor Johnny Depp had been defamed by ex-wife Amber Heard in her 2018 op-ed published by the Washington Post. Depp was awarded $15 million in compensatory and punitive damages, but could only legally receive up to $10.35 million. Heard did win one claim in their case uh, and received $2 million. Quote, I'm heartbroken at the mountain of evidence uh, still was not enough to stand up to the disproportionate power, influence, and sway of my ex-husband, Heard said in a statement, because she couldn't probably deliver that line in any convincing way. I'm more disappointed that what this verdict means for other women. It is a setback. It sets back the clock to a time when a woman who spoke up and spoke out could publicly be shamed and humiliated. It sets back the idea that violence against women is to be taken seriously. It kind of sets back the idea that taking a dump in your husband's bed is a good idea. And that they were both horrible to each other. Whether or not they were abusive, I don't know. Physically or otherwise, we don't know. It just that it goes to show that they proved time and again, that Amber Heard was a liar. That's probably why she lost. She'll appeal. No, but no money will ever change hands. This was a PR battle. It'll still be a, a PR battle. But the root, rather than just simply reporting, it has to go on because they're race-based. If the mistreatment of a wealthy, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white actress is ridiculed by the world, what does that mean for black women? For six weeks, Heard testified how... De she didn't testify for six weeks. She testified for, like, two days. Heard testified how Depp not only sexually abused her, but also physically assaulted her throughout their relationship. The only problem is she didn't prove it. That's the thing. You can claim anything you want. Like, the whole world is fundamentally racist. You have to prove it at some point, don't you? She claimed that the... that. She claimed that he, they have no editors over there, apparently. It says he headbutted her as well as punched her and dragged her around by her hair. Heard maintained that everything she wrote in the op-ed entitled, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath, has, that has to change, was true. Depp denied all the allegations. For black women. What? Yeah, where's the needle being ripped off the rug? For black women who do not have whiteness or fame to protect them, Heard's words of the Heard's words of the verdict as a setback ring especially true. Whether you believe her or not, the way the world treated Heard was downright cruel and uncalled for. No, no, whether you believe her or not is kind of completely relevant to that. I don't believe you but I will treat you as though you're telling the truth. That's not the way the world works. It doesn't matter about skin color. It really doesn't. It wasn't like, and the way, I don't, I'm not going to bother reading the rest of this crap, but the idea, you get the idea. Everything is racist. Everyone who is off-white is a victim. You sit there and you go, um, 
America in general, regardless of skin color, thought it was kind of disgusting what Will Smith did to Chris Rock. There wasn't uh, black America going, wow, this is no, actually the root did write something about this is nobody's business. (laughs) It's it's except for black people. But white people didn't go, yeah, good, beat up each other. It's not white people, at least not white conservatives who are ignoring what's going on in Chicago or black conservatives or black Hispanics or anybody. It's liberals. It's black liberals who are ignoring what the, the carnage in black America. The root doesn't write think pieces on black on black crime. Not very often anyway. You would think something dedicated to a specific audience would be interested in, I don't know, that audience being murdered, that potential audience being murdered. But no. Tom Bevan of Real Clear Politics tweeted out this morning, obviously Uvalde was a tragedy, and now four people were killed by a gunman in Tulsa. Yeah, there was a shooting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at a hospital yesterday. If you haven't heard about it by now, you maybe have about 12 more hours to hear about it, but that's it. Why? Because the shooter was a black guy. It's not helpful to Democrats. It'll go away. But Bevan asks, why isn't Chicago national news? Wednesday, two shot dead, five more wounded, including a cop. Tuesday, 11 people shot, two fatally. Memorial Day weekend, 51 people shot, nine people killed. Where is the outrage? It's Uvalde a week happening in Chicago every damn weekend. And it doesn't rate doesn't make news but the root will tell you why amber heard got it easy if you believe amber heard you don't believe she got it easy but her losing the hardest hitter black women it's like the leftist joke well the joke about leftists that if the uh, the world were coming to an end because of a meteor about to hit the planet the new york times headline would be meteor to destroy all life on earth Blacks and gays, hardest hit. It's funny because it's absurd, but it's funnier because it's true. That's how they'd spin it. If you ever thought, uh, well, uh, the rest of the world is not as crazy as the United States, I want to dissuade you from that opinion. I want to just show you something. I just saw this on online. It is from the uh, European Union Times. And it is uh, not surprising. <clears throat> A, it's eutimes.net. A Norwegian, and I've searched because uh, like, I'm, I'm always skeptical of the source. Right? I don't know anything about uh, the European Union Times or eutimes.net. But I did a search on the woman's name. And the best I can tell from these loose Google Translate from the other stories, this is the only one written in English, uh, is that this is is true. So that's why I'm telling it to you. The rest is in like Norwegian, some Scandinavian languages. Um, <clears throat> a Norwegian feminist could be facing up to three years in prison for allegedly hateful tweets directed at a male who claims to be a lesbian woman. Now, for those of you playing the home game, I used to joke as a kid in high school that I was a woman trapped in a man's body, but I was a lesbian, so it was okay. That meant nothing had changed. That was a joke we all sort of said in high school, I'd imagine. At least everybody I hung out with, admittedly, was probably more depraved than most. 
But it was a joke. Now it's a way of life. Now it's a tattoo, a T-shirt, a, a bumper sticker. It is a plank in the Democrat Party. There's no irony in uh, I'm a lesbian woman, but I'm a man. Or I'm a male, but I'm a lesbian. No, they mean it. So Christine, Christina Ellingson, E-L-L-I-N-G-S-E-N, a representative of feminist organization Women's Declaration International. There's a picture of her purportedly. She's wearing a shirt that says, Mother, noun, female parent. The definition of mother before they change it, before they change it, of course. Christina Ellingson, a representative of Women's Declaration International, is being investigated under hate crime charges for tweets she made between February 2021 and January 2022. The tweets in question were replies to uh, replies directed at Christine Marie Gentoff, a representative of trans activist group Foringen Fry. That, I imagine, is um, Swedish. Gentoff is a male who identifies as a lesbian woman. Ellingen, Ellingson's charge, uh, charges are centered around her questioning why Fry promoted the belief that men could be lesbians. While police are still investigating, if she is found guilty, Ellingson could face a prison sentence of up to three years. And you're sitting there going, what? This is... Insane. Yes, this is insane in the United States of America. But I tell you all the time that just because our cultures are similar to various cultures and countries around the world, they are not like us. They do not have the First Amendment that we have. It makes us nearly unique in the world. It protects us for now. But you see the way Democrats are going after the Second Amendment. Democrats are going just as fervently after the First Amendment. Make no mistake about it. They want to curtail what you can say. If you can say anything you want, you can question and challenge them. It started on social media, and this is what makes Elon Musk's potential purchase of Twitter so important, is right now the left controls what can and can't be said on the largest social media platforms. It's not enough to go, well, we're going to start our own. Okay, great. You're preaching to the choir. No one is going to parlor. No one is going to gab. No one is going to uh, whatever the other one. I don't even know what the other ones are. Nobody's going to them, at least not in the numbers that are on Twitter. You can have those in addition, but it is important to have the big ones. Not be on your side. You go over to one of the alternatives, the conservative alternatives, and all you're going to hear is exactly what you already believe. That'll be very comforting. It's wonderful. It's warm. It's a a nice blanket and a roaring fire and a cold winter's night. But it doesn't advance the ball at all. You're not helping anything. You're not convincing anybody. You're not exposing yourself. You're not even getting better. In fact, if you only talk to people who agree with you, you, you get much worse at being able to defend what you actually believe in because nobody's challenging you. Your muscles, your memory atrophies. Uh, let's see. Norway introduced gender identity into hate crime paragraphs in January 2021. At the time, WDI Norway, formerly WHRC Norway, warned that the introduction of the concept into law would result 
in prosecutions, uh, persecutions of women for stating biological fact. Quote, why does Fry teach young people that males can be lesbians? Isn't that conversion therapy? Now, that's very mild, but that is one of Ellingson's tweets that are getting her in trouble. <laughs> Isn't that conversion therapy? Or grooming. You could say it's grooming. That's what it is. We call it over here. But that's exactly the truth, right? Isn't it? At least questioning these things. If you can't say to somebody who insists, look, uh, your four-year-old says that I am a, uh, a woman, but there is a girl, but you're a boy. And you say, no, you're not. Is that conversion therapy? Conversion therapy is banned in a lot of states. By the way, the very same people, I just want to point out the irony on this. The very same people who insist that that four-year-old, that five-year-old, knows what they're doing and should be immediately put on uh, hormones. And if a you know 10-year-old girl says, I'm a boy, should be put on hormone blockers immediately. There's, there's a big faction. Of, actually, pretty much everybody up to and including the White House believes this kind of crap. They do. They really do. They believe this kind of stuff. Everybody says that, oh, no, we need to... Uh, Listen to the children and let them make the decisions on there. Healthcare, get healthcare, remove parents from the health decisions. These are the very same people who say uh, 18 years old is far too young to purchase a firearm. Huh? Yeah, 18 years old is far too young to purchase a firearm. But 10 is okay to take body-altering hormones, sterilizing yourself, essentially stopping the production of bone density, things like that. You can do that on a whim of a preteen, prepubescent kid who has been preached to by various teachers about how, no, this is great and you should make up your own pronouns. And you don't have to be just because you're the doctor said you assigned you girl at birth doesn't mean you're a girl. Nuts. Nuts, nuts, nuts. The White House yesterday, I told you about their declaration, their proclamation for Pride Month. Well, this is a paragraph from that on this very subject. Since my first day in office, I have taken historic action to ensure that everyone, no matter who they are or whom they love, has an equal place in our democracy. I signed landmark executive order changing the federal government, charging the federal government with preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. This includes non-discrimination protections for LGBTQI+. Last year, they didn't have the I in it, so they've added the I. So congratulations to the I people. Americans in housing, healthcare, education, employment, credit and lending services, and in the criminal justice system, which means if you're a dude, say you're a chick. If you go to jail, you'll be in the women's prison. It'll be good. You can, you know, if you always wanted to have a family, but you're going to be in prison for a very long time. My administration has expanded access to inclusive passports for transgender Americans and instituted reforms to the traveler screening process at United States airports. Yeah, six foot seven dude with a beard. Oh, but the passport says you're a chick. What's going on there? No, can't question that anymore. I am honored to be uh, by the service of the first openly gay cabinet secretary. Not true. 
This is how the left cheapens everything and they undercut. If you're Rick Grinnell, openly gay. They, they love that term, openly gay. Just gay, he's just gay. I don't know why you're openly gay. You're gay or you're not gay. Rick Grinnell is gay. He was a cabinet secretary under George, uh, under Donald Trump. The Democrats in the Senate blocked his confirmation. So he was a acting national uh, security advisor, but a cabinet member nonetheless, and first openly gay cabinet secretary. But he doesn't get called that because he's conservative. Sick. I'm telling you, these people are sick. And he says, uh, and the first transgender person confirmed by the Senate and to have been able to establish the first White House Gender Policy Council. Wow, that just sounds worthless and stupid. They are pushing this garbage at every level, at every age group. You must have, we must listen to the children. Believe me, it won't be long before people or Democrats are introducing legislation to say that a child gets to choose their own gender and whatever age they do it at, you have to respect it and the doctors have to service them as such, give them all the drugs they need to help shape their bodies into what they are not. But 18 years old is too young to buy a firearm. Can serve in the military and get a firearm, but too young to buy a firearm for yourself. A second tweet back to the story of Norway that has been cited as evidence of hate speech reads, Dentoff, who is male and an advisor in FRI, presents himself as a lesbian. That's how bonkers the organization which supposedly works to protect young lesbians' interests is. How does it help young lesbians when males claim to be lesbian too? End quote. Another decent question. You would think if these groups have an answer to these questions, they'd simply answer these questions. That they run off to the government and say, I've been a victim of a hate crime. Somebody needs to bring me justice. Tells you everything you need to know about these people. They don't even believe it. They can't even defend it. It is about control. There is no debate in Norway. There's no debate in this country on these issues. They simply make declarations. And uh, the little fascist mob on the left, you can call it the pink mafia, you can call it the purple mafia, you can call it whatever. They're Democrats. doesn't really matter what their cause is. The tactics are exactly the same. They go out there and silence critics. Silence critics. If they could throw them in jail, they would. They're trying to throw them in jail over there. Gentop previously sparked controversy after inviting children to contact him for hugs in a tweet made in 2018. Just sounds lovely, doesn't it? Quote, Dear queer children of all ages, I know some of us have parents who don't love us anymore, but thanks to a Facebook video I've just seen, I just want to inform you that I am actually a certified mother. The dude saying that. So if you ever need a real motherly hug, I will be happy to oblige. Ellenstein pointed out that even though Gentoff is involved with a powerful lobbying group, he nevertheless reported her to the police as a civilian member of the public. Quote, the police attorney's decision to open this investigation against women's rights activists is deeply concerning, she said. You can say, oh, well, that's over there. 
That's over there for now. That's Norway for now. How long until it's not Norway? Huh? How long until it's not Norway? How long until it's Canada? It'll be Canada soon enough. Won't be long before there are Democrats trying to do the exact same thing here. Right? They already do it on college campuses. They're already doing it on social media. It won't be long. It will not be long. Trust me on that. Be on your guard. You've been warned. I just You need that reminder that the United States is unique in the world. That's why it's hated in the world. Honestly. That's why it's hated in the world. Is that we are a bastion of freedom. You can question liberal orthodoxy. The rest of the world is making it more and more difficult to question liberal orthodoxy. They're doing it under the banner of, oh, it's just intolerance. We're just doing it for tolerance. We love, don't you love? Why don't you love everybody? It's so hate-mongery. But disagree with them and see how tolerant they become. Be a black conservative and see how tolerant leftists are. The whitest of the white liberals who, you know, have... Black Lives Matter and hate has no home here. Lawn signs. Tell them you you think, you know what? Donald Trump was a pretty good president as a black person or as a Hispanic person and see if suddenly maybe hate has at least a a drawer in one of the bedrooms. Maybe it doesn't, it crashes there every couple of weekends, but that's it. It's not, it's not paying rent. It's not there often enough to pay rent, but it certainly swings by for some dinners, some lunches, and things like that. Hate lives. Uh, we used to live in one place, and like, we live in Maryland. Maryland's very liberal, but it was a particularly liberal place. We were renting a house in a wealthy neighborhood in a uh, very, very liberal part of the state, right near Washington, D.C. Neighbors were nice enough. The guy across the street was very nice. He was very always, always chatty, a little too chatty sometimes. You can, like, I've got to go, dude. Uh, but he was always nice about it. The people to one side we, on the corner house, we never saw them. I don't know. It, it was described to me as a bunch of kids waiting for, for dad to die so that they could get their inheritance, which was this property. The house was, we lived in a, we lived in an original house. Most of the other houses had been torn down and built McMansions. And the house next to us on one side was such a house. It was also an original house. The property was worth a fortune. On the other side, it was a McMansion. They tore down the original house and built seemingly on every square inch of a property there, uh, a house. I don't know why you'd spend that much money on a house with no yard, but people did it. Well, those people, they'd always you'd be good for a, hey, how you doing? How's it going? Then they found out what I did for a living, and immediately, like the next day, hate has no home here. Rainbow lawn sign comes up there, and it's like, all right. And they never said hello to me again. Never said I, I didn't care. They weren't particularly interesting people, but uh, just being polite, you see your neighbors out, and you just go, hey, how's it going? There was none of that. There was no acknowledgement of it whatsoever. Like hate has no. I'm pretty sure hate has a room hate might rent the basement hate might own the house you might be uh you know mortgage paying your mortgage to hate i just i really wished at that point and somebody out there we can split the business make lawn signs that say 
Hate has a home here. Hate welcome here. Hate, hate can, uh, can rent the guest bedroom or something like that. So these people and their virtue signaling, they had also the Black Lives Matter, and occasionally they'd get bigger displays. It was like, who are you, who are you trying to convince? I don't care what you have on your lawn, but if you're trying to convince, you seem like you're trying to convince yourself that you're not just full of hate. The bigger the sign, the, the less hate inside of you. When in reality, the opposite is true. Hate lived next door to them, next door to me. They were just hate personified. Looking, oh, by the way, uh, congratulations to everybody. We are living in historic times, and not just because the press secretary is a gay black woman. Although that certainly adds to the historic nature of these times in which we live. It's also, we are witnessing record-breaking gas prices every single day. Yes, every single day. over, I think it's 474 per gallon. Now is the nationwide average. Another historic first for Joe Biden. I'm looking at somebody tweeted out the gas prices, a sign of a gassing in Chicago. Regular on that Chicago, 599 and 9 tenths. Diesel is only 20 cents more expensive at 619. But the V Power is a shell station. V Power, $6.79 and 9 tenths of a cent. That 9 tenths of a cent matters. It adds up. <laughs> and the Biden administration has no freaking clue of what's going on. No. Now, thankfully, OPEC is stepping up, not because of anything this administration is doing, it's because there's a lot of money to be made. OPEC, is f- the Middle East, is basically floating on oil. It always amazes me, like, sooner or later shouldn't, if they're pulling out this much fluid from the earth, unless you're, maybe they're replacing it with something. I don't know how massive oil drilling works, but it would strike me that sooner or later you'd have this giant void underground. And, you know, you see sinkholes where there are no, no drills. Maybe I'm just geologically ignorant, but it always struck me as odd that like large chunks of the earth were not, once all the oil is pulled out, not collapsing on themselves, just under their own weight, creating a valley where no valley, because we're not talking about, well, they took out the equivalent of an Olympic-sized swimming pool out of the ground there, and then they moved on. No, they're, you're talking about you took the equivalent of like uh, one of the Great Lakes out of some of these places. But uh, CNBC has the story. OPEC and its oil drilling allies agreed on Thursday to hike output in July and August by larger than expected amounts as Russia's invasion of Ukraine wreaks havoc on global energy markets. It's all Russia's fault. My God, the media is such obedient dogs. OPEC will increase production by 648,000 barrels per day in both July and August, bringing forward the end of the historic output cuts by OPEC uh, implemented during the throes of the COVID pandemic. About damn time. Now, we could have easily made up that difference, but Joe Biden has forbidden Americans from doing it. And if you even got your oil out of the ground, it's made it more difficult and therefore more expensive to move that oil to anywhere where it could be refined to be useful. So hopefully we'll see some relief at the pump.
The group has slowly been returning to the nearly $10 million per or 10 million barrels per day. It agreed to pull from the market in April 2020. In recent months, output has risen between 400,000 and 432,000 barrels per day each month. Oil prices reversed early losses and traded higher at 9.45 a.m. Wall Street uh, on Wall Street. West Texas Intermediate Crude Futures, the U.S. oil benchmark, added 0.75% to trade at $116.13 per barrel. Internationally, it is $116.90 per barrel. It would be nice if OPEC actually stuck to this, but OPEC is a corrupt organization, as you all well know, and depending on how they want to feel about the United States at any given moment, they could easily decide to cut back because, like I said, they are evil. A lot of them. And Joe Biden, there's a story, Joe Biden is considering going to Saudi Arabia to suck up and beg them to drill more, which is, if you really believe in climate change, if you believe in this garbage, and you shouldn't, but if you do, then it doesn't really matter where the oil comes from, right? It's the oil that's the problem. So if you're going to go to Saudi Arabia and beg them to permanently up their oil output, while simultaneously permanently limiting oil output here in the United States, you are not. If you believe that oil, crude oil, fossil fuels, and the carbon dioxide emissions from that, if that is if you, what you believe, that is the problem, then um, does it really matter the origin? No, it doesn't. So then all you're doing is screwing over Americans and exporting more money. If you're forced to buy oil from Saudi Arabia rather than domestically, you are making the royal family over there, because it seems like every third dude is a prince over there. You're making the... I've never seen a, a Saudi princess. Have you ever heard of a Saudi princess? Now that I think about it, I've never heard of a Saudi princess. Weird. But you've got these people out there who are making a fortune off of us. Because... Our leadership is not allowing us to make a fortune off of us or off of them. Yahoo Finance. President Joe Biden is likely to visit Saudi Arabia later this month as part of an international trip for NATO and group of seven meetings, according to people familiar with the matter, with record high U.S. gas prices weighing on his party's political prospects. Poor, poor Democrats. Traveling to Saudi Arabia would mean Biden would almost inevitably meet its effective ruler, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, whom the U.S. president blames for the 2018 murder of U.S.-based columnist in the kingdom's Istanbul consulate. Jamal Khashoggi is who they're talking about. Does anybody really give a damn about Jamal Khashoggi? Look, <clears throat> I can be appalled, disgusted. Look at, let's just say China... Take some dissident, take your pick, disappears them, kills them, whatever's them. It is disgusting, not surprising, disgusting. But is it going to change the world's treatment of China? Not really. I mean, it would have to be really something particularly egregious to do that. They're, they've enslaved two million Uyghurs. 
they're slowly committing genocide against the weaker Muslims, and they don't care. Even the Muslim world doesn't care. So (laughs) they're too busy hating Israel for existing while China is, you know, exterminating or doing their best to exterminate, well, using them as slave labor in the process, their Muslim brothers and sisters. And the Muslim world isn't going, this is an outrage. Not even the radical. Have you heard of, uh, I don't know, maybe they are launching terror attacks in China. I just doubt it. But Al-Qaeda, no, no, no. We're mad at the United States. Why? I don't because they're the United States. ISIS, we're mad at the United States. Why? I don't know. Because they're all garbage. They're all garbage. It's all for show. It's all about power. It just couched differently. It just couch- depends on how you couch it. The best way you can raise money, the best way you can convince suckers, anything like that. They find these things and you go, that's just how it is. <laughs> they can sit there and destroy themselves. And it, well, their, their brethren that they care so deeply about are enslaved and they don't care. So, yeah, Joe Biden is going to go to Saudi Arabia, probably. That will come to be. If you remember back in 2008 when Jamal Khashoggi was killed, the left was beside themselves. They were apoplectic. Oh, my God. Why won't Donald Trump condemn... Saudi Arabia for killing Jamal Khashoggi. And he did. And then he said, why won't he condemn them more? Like, what What do you mean more? It's an outrage. They must be double condemned. It's like double secret probation. They need to be totally condemned. Countries do horrible things all the time. The problem is the left really overplayed their card. Jamal, journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Jamal Khashoggi was on the payroll of, I can't remember which country it is, Qatar maybe or something like that. He was not a journalist. He was an opinion columnist, and he'd barely written in the Washington Post, only a couple of things, and he'd been there for a long time. He somebody was on somebody's payroll. The real, pro, real question is when the hell was this idiot going to the Saudi consulate to seek permission to marry? He didn't live in Saudi Arabia anymore, but he never got citizenship in the U.S., why do you hate the government? You criticize the government. Why do you need their blessing to get married? That a despotic regime, and make no mistake, they're, they're less despotic than Iran, but they're still a despotic regime. They're slowly modernizing, but a little too slowly. Like Saudi Arabia is going to do bad things. That's just the way it is. Ultimately, we need Saudi Arabia more than we need Jamal Khashoggi. It's heartless. Yeah, it is. But international relations, politics are heartless. I'm just telling you how it is. You don't have to like how it is. I'm not making it how it is. The federal government is not sitting around going, gee, what does Derek Hunter think? He says that uh, that Jamal Khashoggi wasn't a journalist. And since he was a Saudi citizen or whatever, he doesn't really care all that much. Oh, all right. Well, then to hell with it. That's not how it works. International relations, you've got Vladimir Putin committing war against Ukraine. You've got Vladimir Putin before that executing political enemies and imprisoning, uh, executing political enemies around the world, including in the UK, and uh, imprisoning political enemies domestically. And did we do anything about that? Not really. Oh, we put some sanctions against him. Congratulations, we sanctioned himself. Most of these sanctions are virtue signaling garbage. Let's just be honest. They are virtue signaling garbage. They don't impact anything. 
But they allow the politicians to come out and go, we've done some. We showed that guy. We showed that. What did you show him? Bloomberg has a story today making the exact opposite point. As the war in Ukraine approaches its 100th day, sanctions are failing to stop Russia's public finances from swelling. Though it may be a pariah across the developed world with corporate giants having fled and the economy heading for a deep recession, the war machine remains very much operational. Soaring energy and commodity prices are creating a flood of cash that could average $800 million a day this year. That would be a major concern for the EU as it continues to struggle with securing agreements on a sixth package of sanctions which cover crude oil imports. Putin, under all these sanctions, is getting rich, getting richer than he ever has before. It's not even coming close to working. Why? Because they were more for show than anything else. Oh, we seized, but we seized a couple of super yachts in Italy. Okay, yeah, congratulations on that. The joke's actually on us now, the United States taxpayers and the taxpayers of other countries that have also seized them. They're the ones paying the freight on those boats now. They're paying the maintenance on them because we are not smart when we do something like this. We're not serious about sanctions. If you're serious about sanctioning people, you'd say we're seizing the boat and we're selling it or we're leasing it out or whatever. It's now our boat. But no, we're idiots. What did we do with the Iranian Revolution? 1979, they stormed the U.S. Embassy. 444 days, they held Americans hostage. We froze all the assets of the Iranian Republic here that we could get our hands on. We held that money for until Barack Obama was president. And then Barack Obama gave it back to him with interest. <laughs> with interest. We have Amer- those Americans that were held hostage had sued and won against Iran for stealing more than a year of their lives. And we had the means, they had civil judgments against them that Iran never paid, would never pay, will never pay. We had the means by which to pay them. And we said, no, it would be wrong. It would be wrong to do that. We must give Iran almost as much as their entire GDP all at once in cash and remember that the cash pallets and everything Barack Obama did that cash is untraceable how much funding of terrorism was done with that cash we'll never know because nobody in power cares these people are frauds they've always been frauds it's all for show oh look we sanctioned this oligarch really congratulations I guess What does that mean? He can't vacation in Palm Springs anymore? How is that going to turn the tide of the war? It won't, but it allows them to go out to a microphone bank and pump their chests like they're King Kong, and they just got Fay Ray, and boy, it's hot and heavy from there on out. So sad, so pathetic, so completely not surprising. Now, can I just say God bless the uh, libs of TikTok Twitter account? They have a uh, mega drag thread. I highly recommend you check it out if you're on Twitter. And it, it'd be, you'd think, okay, well, New York, San Francisco, they're going to have drag queen story time. That's just what they do. What are you going to do? No, no, it's everywhere. 
Illinois, Colorado. You look at this whole thread, and every day it's added to. Why? What is, are drag queens the only people able to read to children? There's Minnesota. And there's always some sort of stripper hooker dance that goes along with drag queen story time. Why? Why? A uh, gay nightclub in Minnesota held a drag show for children. Because why? Well, you can't call it grooming. Don't say it's grooming. No, 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 no. And it's worldwide. Bristol over in the UK. Drag queen story hour. At least it's at a library. Unless you just happen to, your kid happened to go to the library that day or you want to take your kid to the library that day. Uh, I guess you avail yourself of the opportunity to dance like a stripper. I didn't know so many libraries had poles. I don't understand. Uh, you can't read to children unless your ass is hanging out and your front is tucked so far back that you can wear a thong. But then you can read to children, apparently. I don't get it. These are people who should not be anywhere near children. Oh, can you say that, Derek? How dare you say it? If you were in uh, uh, Norway, you would have committed a hate crime. Well, there's a reason I don't live in Norway, and it has little to do with the fact that I would not be able to eat that much fish all the time without becoming uh, sick. It has to do with the fact that I actually enjoy my ability to speak. I actually love the United States of America. But no, because it's Pride Month, though, I imagine this is only going to get worse. This list is going to grow as so many of these leftist groups go, look, we're celebrating LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ children. And you parade five-year-olds. I told you about Baltimore. My friend lived right in the monument there in Baltimore, which is a block away from the gay intersection where all the gay bars are. The Pride Parade goes right up there. We'd sit out there and watch these grown men with their stuff hanging out, running around giving suckers to little, little kids. And their parents brought the little kids with them. Little kid, no four-year-old is going to the pride parade themselves. They're dragged there by parents. Oh, this is great. Oh, you're, you're sick people. You're sick, sick people. Like if you want to do that with your kids, that's fine. The problem is that they're not content to do that to just their kids. They want to do that to everybody's kids. And that's where the culture war comes in. You can pervert your own kids. That's on you. They'll hate you. Leave mine alone. There's going to be trouble. You try that crap with mine. Okay, before we run out of time, I want to play some Joe Biden clips because uh, he's so damn lost. Yeah, he, he makes gaffes all the time. He talked about how they're flying over 37 bottles, baby bottles worth of formula the other day. Like 3.7. Like that's it? 3.7. It was 3.7 million, which still isn't enough to last one day, but hey, you get it over here and then you got to distribute it. And you go, how do you distribute it? They don't know. That's why the problem's getting worse. But we've talked about that enough. And talk about the economy in general and inflation. And Joe Biden talking about, it's a real quick clip here, unlike the other things we've played so far. And that the cost of gas, remember that was his priority. Now he's got you know, Saudi Arabia trip coming up and he's got uh, OPEC saying they're going to up production in July and August. We'll see if, if that happens. Really only takes one or two OPEC countries to be mad at the U.S. for whatever. Or 
under pressure from an enemy of the United States where they just ignore it and, and the whole thing falls apart. But Joe says that there's nothing, there's nothing he can do to bring down gas prices. Or at the very end, it gets almost cut off, but he also talks about food. You remember whenever new inflationary numbers come out, and there should be there'll be economic numbers on Friday. When new inflation numbers come out, it was always well. The vast majority of this is because of used cars. Right? It's used cars that are causing used cars are okay. Used car prices are up. There's no question about it. But the cost of everything in the grocery store is also up. And it's not because people are having difficulty finding a 2018 Subaru. It has nothing to do with that. So Joe has been promising he's going to, this was his number one priority, remember. He was going to tackle inflation. And then his number one priority was baby formula. He's not exactly tackling that either. He's not tackling anything. But he cares deeply about it. You can tell by the way he says something about it every once in a while. It's a lie what he says. But, you know, you only hurt the ones you love and you only lie about the things you deeply care about, apparently, in politics. So here's Joe admitting that it, gas prices ain't going anywhere for a while and neither are food prices. There's a lot going on uh, right now. But the idea we're going to be able to... You know, click a switch, bring down the cost of gasoline is not likely in the near term, nor is it with regard to food. With food, with food that he was cut off there. Nor is it with regard to food. Okay, great. So what? If you're saying you're going to tackle inflation, it's not going to be gasoline or food. So are you going to bring down used car prices? Is that it? What are you doing? What are you doing? Now, there are things he could do, as I said earlier, that he could easily impact the cost of gasoline. Open up exploration. Put the world on notice that we're going all out, pedal to the metal on oil exploration, and we're not doing, we're not stopping until we really get, until we corner the market. But that, that wouldn't fly. AOC would do a scathing Instagram about that. So that can't happen because Joe Biden lives in fear of that. It's how pathetic our almost 80-year-old president is, is that uh, he lives in fear of a, a airhead with a popular, with a big social media footprint. You know, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Meanwhile, back to Karine Jean-Pierre. Karine Jean-Pierre, sac la bleu. Just to demonstrate how awful she is, she's reading these answers yet again. But she was asked by, I believe it was Peter Ducey of Fox News Channel, since Janet Yellen the other day admitted that, yeah, I was wrong about uh, about that inflation thing being transitory, like way wrong. The smartest woman in all of economics was wrong about something basic in economics. Okay. She keeps her job. Well, Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about that now that other people in the administration are admitting that they were wrong about inflation. Maybe the White House would like to admit, maybe the president, maybe the spokesmodel for the president would like to admit that they have been wrong about inflation. No. Here's your word salad. I mean, look, the president is working, has said this 
over and over again. We have said this. We understand what the American people are going through. We understand the high cost that they're dealing with. We understand what inflation is doing uh, to gas and to food prices. Uh, we have done, we have done, um, you know, we have taken multiple actions, which the president explains himself in his own voice in the Wall Street Journal uh, just a day or a day ago. And so that has been our focus as well. And we have we're coming out of a very strong economic uh, economic period and so now we're going into a transition there are things when as it relates to inflation there are things that were not predictable 18 months ago that were not predictable from day one so as we were speaking to them as we saw it at the time uh, and so that is also important to note i mean i know you're asking me that the, the question of did we speak about it wrong or did we you know say you know did we i don't know misspeak or not or, or uh, not have it right at the time. I mean, this is what what I'm trying to lay out is that there are things that happen. Don't you feel so confident knowing that this is the mouthpiece? Of, she's actually more coherent than the president of the United States, just barely. But she's more coherent than the president of the United States. Well, nobody could have predicted anything. Then why did you speak of the predictions that you were speaking of as though they were truths simply yet to happen. Why is that? Well, because it was helpful to us at the time. They didn't say, we believe inflation is transitory. Oh, gee, it looks like inflationary might be, inflation might be transitory. We're not 100%, but, you know, we're just working with what we've got. No, they're saying this is transitory. Why, 17 Nobel laureates are telling me that this is transitory. Don't you see? Yeah, all of them, liberals in good standing and active members of the Democratic Party, are all agreeing that you are going to make the iceberg swerve, Captain. Yeah, let's just keep going. That's, um, you know, I bet you that Johnny Depp and Amber Heard had at least 17 people around them telling them that everything they did was aces too, right? No, yeah, no, no, no. Look, Amber, if you got to go to the bathroom... Not only would it all be hilarious and uh, some sort of sick revenge plot to go and do it on Johnny's side of the bed, but it'll also be very good for the environment, you know, because, you know, if it's brown, flush it down, but then you're, you're still not wasting the water. So why don't you do it? Yeah, there, I'm sure there's somebody who would say something like that. The truth is, and the fact of a, this is the secret of good leadership. The secret of good leadership is to seek out actively contrary opinions. Get all sides, and then you choose. You decide which way to go. Joe Biden seeks out left-wing opinions exclusively. Or that's all he gets anyway. Exclusively. And doesn't make a decision at all. Everybody says we should do this? Well, that's great. That's great. Let's do it then. That's um, it's really a horrible way to go about it because if there is no independent thought, if there is no critical thinking at all, really, if it's just mindless groupthink and conformity, you end up in a situation where if we'd had somebody in there, if we'd had people in there who knew what the hell they were doing, who disagreed with the hive mind, we might have been able to avoid this mess to begin with. We might have been able to avoid this mess to begin with. But here we are. And we're not getting out of it anytime soon because this guy still won't admit that it's a mess. It's how sad it is. The most terrifying part of what Karine Jean-Pierre is talking about 
when she talks, aside from the fact that she literally has to read everything you see. She, she seriously, she has to read everything that she says. Watch, watch her briefing. Watch five minutes of her briefing any day of the week. She's got a binder full of scripts, and she will find whatever it is that the issue is, and she'll find that tab and pull to it and read the talking points, whether or not it was, um, <laughs> whether or not it was relevant to the question at hand. If it's on topic, they go for it. But uh, she's out there, and if you want to know how screwed up the economy can get, you think, well, we've reached bottom. No, no, we haven't, because they think what they're doing right now is working. Well, actually, I don't believe that they believe this. I know that they're telling people that what they're doing is working. And that's scary enough that they're willing and able to lie with a straight face the way that they do. Listen to her. When are you guys going to admit that you were wrong about inflation? <laughs> no easy questions today, huh? Uh, the Treasury Secretary says that she was wrong, so why doesn't anybody okay. here at the White House? Okay, so look, what, uh, what the Secretary was pointing out uh, out, uh, this is talking about yesterday when she was doing her, her hit uh, with uh, her TV hit with CNN is that there have been shocks to the economy that have exacerbated inflationary pressures which couldn't have been foreseen 18 months ago, Why including. Not? In, well, let me. I'm, I'm trying to answer your question. I'm, I'm, hold on. I, I was just getting to the why not, uh, including Russia's decision to inc- invade Ukraine, multiple successive variants of COVID and lockdowns in China. As, as she also noted during that interview, there has been historic growth and record job creation. And our goal is now to transition to steady and stable growth as inflation is brought down, as uh, Brian D said yesterday to all of you when he was standing behind this podium. So the present economic plant as we see it is working as we see it is working sorry you can't afford to fill your car up sorry there's no vacation for you this summer because you can't afford one it's working though it might not be working for you but it's working so buck up little camper yeah the democrats argument seems to be what i joke about all the time they're going to argue you don't know how good you've got it Stop complaining. You don't know how good you've got it. <laughs> it is <clears throat> it is unbelievable. It is an unbelievable argument to make, but this when you've got nothing else, you've got nothing else. Speaking of somebody who's got nothing else, Justin Trudeau, Justin Castro. Justin Castro Trudeau, is it hyphenated that way? I don't think so, but it might as well be. He is up there ruling Canada with an iron fist. And boy, howdy, is he really loving ruling Canada with an iron fist. So much so that he does not want to give up powers. Now, COVID is in retreat and decline. The numbers are are clear. Even though the cases are up, the number of deaths are down, which is great, which means that at least as of now, the virus is mutating to the point that it's almost irrelevant. And great. Let's do it. But up in Canada, they have not lifted any of their COVID restrictions. Why? Because they love the power. These progressive politicians love the power. They, God, they love the power. They love it in this country, too. But we, thank God for our founding fathers, created a system of federalism where the states have the power. 
and the states, some states have said, nope, we're done. And other states are going, no, please don't do that because that puts the pressure on us to say, nope, we're done too. And they were forced, forced to lift their COVID restrictions. Well, up in Canada, they have no desire to lift their COVID restrictions. And what's funny is here at the end of this, I don't know, 45 seconds or whatever, Justin Castro Trudeau admits that he, their, his rationale, not admitting, the rationale is there might be, there might be another variant in the fall. So you can't lift, you can't let Canadians be free because there might be another variant in the fall. Imagine this being your best argument that you could make. The, the travel restrictions, the tourism groups want them lifted, and there has been some criticism that the communication around the reasoning hasn't been transparent. Well, the reality is, as much as people would like to pretend we're not, we're still in a pandemic. There are Canadians who die every single day because of COVID-19 in our hospitals. Uh, we are still at risk, we're particularly at risk uh, as, uh, as fall approaches of new variants. Um, we need to make sure we're doing everything we can to keep Canadians safe. And I know people are eager to get back to things we love. But what will also you know, further damage our tourism industry is if we get another wave, if we get uh, more uh, serious impacts from COVID. That's why every single time we have been anchored in science uh, we're reflecting on what the best way to do to make sure that we can get back to the things we love as quickly as possible without putting ourselves at risk yeah there might be another variant out there therefore we must we must keep everybody locked down and masked up and uh, travel restrictions and things like that because in months and months and months there might be another variant your Canadian government at work. Your Canadian government at work. And lastly today, you were talking about government at work. The Uvalde school police chief, the guy I played the audio of yesterday, Peter Arredondo, newly elected city council member not cooperating with police. He has now uh, been confronted by CNN. And good on CNN for doing this. Really, if you think about it, Fox doesn't have any reporters. Who's the Fox reporter down there? Nobody, anybody, Is MSNBC, do any of the other outlets, have, they'll use stringers, they'll use publicly available B-roll from, you know, press conferences and things like that, but they're not really doing any journalism on the, on the ground. Thank God CNN, I'm not going to say that often, thank God CNN is. They cornered the guy going into work. He wasn't even really hiding, he was just going in a back door, and they tried to get him to answer a basic question. He wouldn't. I want to talk to you about your decision and what the DPS. How's it going? Good, I'm Pete. Nice to meet you. Matt Freeman, nice to meet you. want to talk to you about the decision and what's the primary move, but just to let you all know, and I just spoke with... I know you did, but you're not black. Are you? No, no, no. No, no, no. You're not black. No, just so you all know, we're not going to release anything. We have people in our community being buried, so we're going to be respectful. I just want your reaction to the director McGraw saying that you were responsible for the and just so you know we're gonna we're gonna do that eventually obviously when? and whenever this is done and let the families quit grieving then we'll do that obviously and just so we have, just so everybody and just so everybody families, just so everybody feels. knows 
we've been in contact with DPS every day, just so you all know. They say, you're every not, day. They say that you're not cooperating. I've, I've been on the phone with them every day. So they you say you're know. not cooperating, sir. Just, just two just, seconds. Just, just, sure, just, just so you know, we've been talking to them every day. What, what, I, is, I your, what is your reaction y'all, y'all to Y'all have him. a good day. What is your reaction, sir? I appreciate y'all, and he goes inside. He's not going to have a statement or anything publicly until the families stop grieving. grieving. I wonder if he realizes that the families will never stop grieving thanks to his incompetence, thanks to his failure in leadership. How do you live with that, dude? I don't know. How do you not resign? Do you have no decency whatsoever? The answer is, of course, no, you don't. You're a politician, and welcome to the world of politics. Uh, God. Anyway, that's enough for today. That's enough for this week. Let's start the weekend, all right? Let's do this effing thing. Be there for the weekend effing review. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. And at DerekHunter.Locals.com. Your choice. Two ways to get what is like a cathartic release. It's like a primal scream every Saturday morning. Appreciate you listening. Have a great weekend.